2: You're listening to the best of Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Good morning to you. My name is Jay Query, Kevin Bowen, the other voice you hear on this program. Mark Dykton is manning the controls for us. It's Kevin and Query, which we spent nearly two and a half months coming up with the name of the show, on 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. Super Bowl is set. It will be the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles out in Glendale Arizona. And now, much like when... Do you remember, Kevin, when Indiana made the national championship game in 2002? In the Kent State game of the regional finals, Tom Coverdale rolled his ankle, and it was like a week's worth of questions about Tom Coverdale's ankle. It was like the most bizarre thing to turn on national TV, and the most talked about topic in sports was the ankle of the Indiana guard. And I guess from Patrick Mahomes' standpoint... We'll get some of that, right? Because there were plays, you know, there were times yesterday where he looked pretty darn hobbled, and I guess you get two weeks, so there's plenty of time. But you can bet that will be a topic of discussion. But this feels like about as pick'em a pick'em a Super Bowl as you could get,
3: right? Yeah, I think it's fluctuated a little bit. Chiefs is a slight, slight favorite, but yeah, the two number one seeds, uh, first time since Eagles Patriots back in 2017 that we'll have that. Um, and obviously the Andy Reid dynamic, the Kelsey brother, I am dynamic plenty and plenty of storylines for this one. As we mentioned a little bit earlier, the Colts can now interview um, any of the four coordinators that they had interest in that we saw coaching this weekend with San Francisco losing. If D'Amico Ryan's wants to, he can interview with the Colts. Now, several reports out there that he will be the head coach of the Houston Texans, of course, played for the Texans for quite a while. Um, so we'll see if D'Amico Ryans wants to entertain that. Uh, but the other three offensive coaches from the weekend, Brian Callahan with Cincy, Eric Bieniemy with Kansas City, Shane Steichen with Philly, they can interview any of them. The uh, latest on the search, right now it sounds like six reported names for second interviews. So going back to last week, that would be Jeff Saturday, Jero Avero, Raheem Morris, Wink Martindale, and then reportedly this week, Rich Bisaccia from the Packers, their special teams coordinator, probably most known for the Raiders' interim stint last season, the 2021 season, I should say, when he took over for John Gruden and led the Raiders to the playoffs. And then Shane Steichen, the Eagles' OC. I see a lot of Colts fans, Jake, on Twitter saying like, the Colts are you know, having such a long process, so at the end of the day, they can say, we interviewed everybody, and Jeff Saturday was easily the number 1 candidate. Do you look at it that way, or do you look at it the flip way and say, if Jim Mercer was just tired of this, wouldn't he just hire Jeff Saturday now? Yes. They've already done the Rooney rule. Yeah,
2: I, I would think at this point,
3: I, I, I do Maybe feel Maybe I'm trying like- to be open-minded, but— I I don't think Saturday's a slam dunk like some other people think.
2: No, I I would agree with that. I I personally think it's going to be Raheem Morris. Um,
3: Yeah, I'd probably put him as a favor right now. But
2: I wanted to ask you this, Kevin. There were reports that Raheem Morris was, and I can't recall what day. My apologies. They start to run together after a while. But that one of the days when Raheem Morris came in for his second interview, that he was there for like – he was in the building for like 12 hours. And initially it was, oh, my goodness – Like that, what does that tell you? They must, they were, they had Biff Ward on the hotline, right? But it appears as though the second interview days are more extensive days, correct?
3: I think for the most part, I think uh, Everose reported like his interview was that long as well. Um, So I think it's, you know, let's, uh, and again, in the building for 12 hours. I mean, I, I would like to think at some point they can go home and then go to a hotel and shower and go out to dinner and do all of that. Um, but I think that's something to watch for this week. Outside of Steichen, do we see Callahan or BNMA? Again, Ryan's to this point, seems to be a long shot. Um, and then how does the rest of the week play out? Do we get to a third round of interviews? Um, I was thinking about this over the weekend. Again, five openings in this year's coaching cycle. Last year, you had eight new head coaches. Of those eight, Jake, five of them were on the offense side of the ball, three on D. Right. I was looking at the records of the coaches hired from last season, and it's a very small sample size. Let me prep. I mean, it's one year. The five offensive coaches that were hired last year, they combined to go 46-38-1, and one, and three of the five made the playoffs. Of the three defensive coaches hired last year, They went 18-33, and and none of them made the playoffs. Again, very small sample size, but certainly a stark contrast between the two. And then if you want to go back to the previous cycle, obviously we're seeing what Nick Sirianni is doing as an offensive head coach very young in his tenure. Should that be more? I mean, there's a lot of evidence. Again, small sample sizes, but a lot of evidence that points to you need to hire the offensive head coach. When you look at
2: what happened yesterday in the NFL, you have between Philadelphia and San Francisco. And I get it. San Francisco was down to... I I, I totally get it. I mean, they were walking around pure 49 asking if anybody wanted to try to play quarterback, if they could get them, get them there in time, right? But Philadelphia... is known for a dyna- dynamic offense is maybe the wrong word, but a unique offense. And Jalen Hurts is a heck of a talent. But San Francisco was a team, would you agree, Kevin, that their defense was kind of their – I know McCaffrey's a unicorn and Debo Samuel's a unicorn, but for uh, to a great extent, their defensive pressure is, is what had gotten them there. Of the four teams, San Francisco was the most yeah, defensive-laden yeah, team. Would no, you agree with that? Number
3: one in the league in defense, yeah. Right. And what happened?
2: I mean, I know that they couldn't put up points because of the quarterback situation. But when it came down to it, once they got up against buzzsaw offenses, they ran out of... defense
3: wasn't great, but Josh Johnson dropping a snap and giving I, them a totally, short field. Totally so get it. Help. Totally get it. And they were gassed. They were worn down.
2: But it has become an offensive league. It just is. It just is. Kansas City, you know, Patrick Mahomes is 27 years old and is in his third Super Bowl. He is three years younger than Peyton Manning was when Peyton Manning made his first Super Bowl. And this is his third. And when Peyton Manning was a player, what did we say in those days? Well, Peyton Manning, the thing holding him back is he doesn't have a great defense. That's because the game has changed. Especially once the competition committee changed the rules like in, I think it was 05 or 06, about the way defenses can, can guard, receivers, etc. It is a... It is an offensive league, and offenses. The old saying of "offense sells tickets, defense wins games." Those are on vintage T-shirts for a reason, because in 2023, open-minded, open-field offenses are what win you games in the National Football
3: League. So, should the Colts be eliminating those defensive candidates? Then
2: I don't know if I would say eliminating. I mean, I'm because I, I personally Raheem Morris is the guy that I think it's going to be, and I really like but i just think whoever it's going to be the the critical hire is going to be not only of course the head coach but what do you do offensively and can you get weapons for the colts it who the colts let, let's just let's just be frank here okay and i don't mean frank reich let's just be brutally honest i'm jake query it's 8:11 on january is today the 30th or 30th yes, uh-huh. january 30th and i and i'm here to say this epiphany and reality Watching the Kansas City Chiefs, watching the Cincinnati Bengals, watching the Buffalo Bills, watching the Philadelphia Eagles, watching the, at times, okay, watching the Jacksonville Jaguars for that matter. Yes, you want to get the right person hired, but to a great extent... It doesn't matter a whole lot right now because for the next two or three years, there is a logjam in the AFC of teams that actually have playmakers, of teams that prioritized wide receiver, getting people in space and the quarterback position. And instead of dilly-dallying around and going out and consistently going back to either TJ Maxx or Goodwill to get some players and get people on the field, they went out and they got Jamar Chase and they got T. Higgins and they got Jalen Hurts and they got you know obviously Mahomes but they moved up to get Mahomes and then gave him a year to learn and then put him in the situation in Kansas City and and yeah it helps that you had Trevor Lawrence as the number 1 pick but they went out and they got Christian Kirk and said let's pair him with them and then the second round they said let's get a running back that can open things up and get him in space for Trevor Lawrence and etc 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 these teams have weapons and you watch the Colts and you go eh the Colts have guys they de-prioritize, they, they deprioritize positions that now makes them look like they're sitting around, driving around in dad's Oldsmobile. And it's a nice car, but everybody else has a Ferrari.
3: Yeah, And not even, Jake, going to like the extent of a Jamar Chase. I mean, obviously, they drafted fifth overall. It's a totally different animal when you're drafting that high. But you look at Kansas City's leading receiver yesterday, and it's Marquez Valdez-Scantling, a free agent acquisition. You know, it's those types of moves to um, – bolster, give more depth, however you want to describe it, Um, and you look at the Colts, and you know said all year long, you don't support the quarterback. The quarterback didn't support you. Um, It's one of the worst skill groups, um, in my opinion, in the NFL. And that's why I think, honestly, more of the problem is roster-driven than it was Frank Reich-driven or head coaching-driven this season. And you watched the AFC Championship game yesterday, and how do you not think to yourself, man, as a football fan, this is a joy to watch, but as a fan of a team that's in the AFC... This is really hard to watch because this is your reality for the next you know, half dozen right. years, potentially longer. And again, you're not even talking about other quarterbacks in this conference that could be on the doorstep of that as well. Um, so again, Rich Passaccia reportedly today, special teams coordinator Shane Steichen later in the week. We'll see if Brian Callahan or Eric Bieniemy enter that list. If not, of the six names we've seen here for second interviews, only one is an offensive head coach. Only one. Which is interesting. And Do you call Jeff Saturday an offensive head coach?
2: Boy, that's a really good question. He's a more offensive-minded one for sure, right? I mean, for Saturday, the biggest question is is going to be, who is your offensive coordinator, right?
3: Well, I think there's a lot of questions, yeah. I mean, staff in general. Uh, again, we'll continue to monitor Frank Reich's situation in, in Carolina. Does he try and bring Gus Bradley? with him. I think there were some reports that Vic Fangio might go to Carolina, but now he's going to Miami. So um, We'll see about Gus Bradley on that front. Tony East is going to join us in about 15. Let's talk more about the Miles Turner contract extension. Bob Kravitz at 9. Uh, Bob is, uh, just wrote something on the athletic hand in the air, apologizing for, these are his words, and being wrong about the Miles Turner situation. Jake, uh, on the Turner front, Do you think it was more of, he blossomed with Tyrese Halliburton, that's one, two, the lack of development from the young big guys on your roster, or three, they never got a trade offer that was enticing enough? One. At the beginning of the year, the Pacers were very candid
2: in saying, we are really excited about what Miles Turner's game is going to be able to do in partnership with Tyrese Halliburton. And Tyrese Halliburton is very excited about what his game can do, being partnered with Miles Turner. And when the Pacers had Turner and Sabonis, they did a very expansive like cybermetrics study of number of players on the floor that touched the ball once each player came into the game from being out and was on the field or on the court by themselves. Okay, when when Sabonis was on the court, the number of players in a half court set that touched the ball when he came back in in the first set was blank, and then the same with Turner. And they looked at it and said, Turner's a guy that his style of play offensively, and and Sabonis is a wonderful player. But I think that they wanted to diversify and more spread spread open their offense, and they felt Turner was the guy that better was suited for that style. Then when they really saw Halliburton play, they went, whoa, wait a minute. Like Now we got a guy that can not only yo-yo the ball all over the place, but but dictate pace, and Turner's a good fit for that. And they wanted to make sure the two of them could run together. And they're like, yep, this works. So now, let's put ourselves in position to continue to let it grow and and buy ourselves the flexibility of time to put other pieces around it and make sure that this is exactly what we need, and so the two-year deal is perfect. Now, they could also trade him if somebody comes along, but I've said forever, Kevin, my thing has always been, Miles Turner has... I'm not saying Miles Turner is void of value in the NBA, but Miles Turner has more value to Indiana than he does in his style of play and what he does. He has more value to what Indiana is doing than he would to a lot of places if he's plugged to play. And so therefore, the return on investment, I think, would not have been what they wanted because of the the fact that Turner is has a value here that would have been difficult to replicate elsewhere
3: i think a common theme we've seen over the last couple of weeks and again bringing turner back on a two-year extension is fine by me i did not want to see a four-year hundred million dollar commitment to him to where he would be into his 30s you would maybe have the feeling with him of like this is my big payday and you know i don't think Turner turner's kind of wired that, that way but you know would there be any kind of lackadaisical approach to him moving forward but just look how this team has played the last couple weeks without Tyrese Halliburton. If that doesn't tell you that they need to add one more major, major piece, then you're looking through rose colored glasses. Like, they've played a Milwaukee team that sat a couple of their big guys in the last couple weeks. I was in the game up there in Milwaukee. You know, Denver didn't have Jokic for that matchup, Phoenix sat a lot of guys, and yet the Pacers run off the floor in, in two of those three games. You've There's way too much on Tyrese Halliburton's plate right now. Way too much. And Benedict Matherin is playing extraordinarily well, scoring at a very high level off the bench for you. But you need to find one more really, really big piece. And in all likelihood, to do that, it's got to come through the draft. Yeah, And it's got to come through the 2023 draft. Indiana is outside of the plan right now. Uh, first time they've been in that situation in quite a while. I think if the draft were today, they'd have like 8th, I want to say. Obviously, depending on how the ping pong balls would fall. But to me, Jake, that's right now, I know it's a harsh reality to want to cheer for this. And I get that fans have been so excited about this season and hate how the Colts season unfolded. They don't want to go down that path. The best case scenario for this season is to miss the playoffs. Uh, You're right. Get in the lottery. We're kind of back who,
2: there, right? Like We, we are. Yeah, we are. we move moved the goalpost a little is, bit, but I'm not in disagreement with you.
3: And I get that's a bummer for people out there, but that's the reality of where you're at right now. We'll see when Halliburton makes his return. Um, the hope is this weekend is how Rick Carlisle labeled it before the game last night. Thursday, Friday. Lakers Thursday. Kings Friday. That's a back-to-back here at home. Indiana will not play each of the next three days, and then they'll have Cleveland Sunday it's almost getting to the point where like if Halliburton doesn't play this weekend for some reason would you just sit him till the all-star break probably I mean we're like two weeks away from the all-star break where's the all-star game this year I think Mark would you double check this I think Salt Lake City
2: you're right yeah
3: Thursday we'll like have you been to Salt Lake City? Find out if Tyree Halliburton made it as a reserve again. Coaches voting on that. I have not. No,
2: Mark, you been to Salt Lake no. City? I had this wild, grandioso vision when I was in like late high school, early college, and I was thinking about like how I wanted to be, you know, a sports director. I mean, a, a, an eleven o'clock sports anchor somewhere, and. I, I, for whatever reason, I had this vision, like you know what? I'd love to go to Salt Lake City and be like the Ed Sorensen of Salt Lake City, talking about the jazz and live on like a huge house, like like you have in Geist, like on the Great Salt Lake. And I was so naive because like you don't get within 20 miles of the Great Salt Lake. The whole place smells like salt. Have you ever been there? No. Like, I mean, not not the city. I know you said you haven't been to the city, but to, to Utah in general. No. I flew over it once. It was a. It was really unbelievable, but. You talk to people that have been to the Salt Lake and it's like, yeah, dude, you get like within 20 miles of it and the whole, like, the air smells like a sulfuric salt and like it, it's all crusty and like nobody goes there.
3: My, um... Six-year-old nephew thinks that the Utah Jazz eat at the restaurant right there at 54th and College.
2: Yeah, the Jazz Kitchen. That's right. When they come here, that's where yeah. they go. Yeah.
3: Drove by there and said to his <laughs> is dad... Is that Carlos Boozer? Said to his dad, is that where the uh, NBA Utah right, team right eats? Right
2: across from where the Georgia football
3: team eats, right? Yeah, right. The Bulldog there. And yeah, <laughs> uh-huh. yeah, yeah. You got Fat Dan's and 20-Tap. Yeah, you got the whole, whole shebang on that... Intersection. All right, uh, Tony Easton. About a half hour. Bob Kravitz coming up at nine o'clock. Again, the commute in this morning was not bad for any of us, but it sounds like there are some spots around Indy just a hair slick. So keep an eye on that. Tony's coming up next, by the way, not a half hour. Oh yeah, it is already. Jeez, gosh, this Monday is flying by. Thank uh, yes, goodness. Eight thirty for Tony East. Thank-
4: Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at K-I-S-Q-A-L-I and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
3: Thank you, Mark. It'll be pen to paper for Miles Turner coming up this afternoon, press conference to announce his renegotiation plus an extension. So Miles Turner under contract in Indiana through 2025. He'll be 29 years old at that point. I think a big reason why his camp probably wanted that length of time is he can then hit free agency before 30. Um, The new TV contract will be entering the salary cap situation for the NBA right around that time as well. So, that is going to help him, and getting I'd, one. I'd like a camp. Are you guys my camp? final major payday? Oh, I think you got a camp. wait don't we do the bingo card every day? Who's my camp? Oh, Byron and um, gosh, who else? Oh, there's plenty going on. Varkus, Varkus, is, is like yeah, he's on the B and the O on the on the bingo card. He's all over it. Yeah, we got. He him doesn't even there. live here. Well, that you know that. You guys Facetime Dave First? Dave first, first in my is camp? on there, okay. certainly. Yeah. I think Kevin Lee's on there, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's head to the Payless well, I'll add hotline. you guys to the camp. We'll Just talk. Get you a little two-man tent. <laughs> Tony East joins us here from the Payless, <laughs> the Payless Lickers <laughs> Hotline. Tony East from Forbes, locked on Pacers. Tony, uh, let's start with the renegotiation part, okay? So, Miles Turner... Uh, is going to make a whole lot of money now for the rest of this season. Why were the Pacers, Pacers able to do that?
0: Yeah, only some very specific situations allow a renegotiation to even happen. Uh, so the Pacers were one of only two teams in the league that had significant confidence at this point in the season. It's been talked about a lot that you know they're able to do even – the Russell Westbrook rumored trades in the offseason, some of the stuff that was talked about for them during the season, was because they had all this space that would allow them to make, you know, imbalanced trades or big signings, whatever, during the season. But it also allowed them to do a renegotiation with players who met a certain criteria, and Miles Turner met that criteria. He had been with the team long enough, his contract was long enough that he was eligible to do this, and it's effectively exactly what it sounds like, right? His contract for this season literally just gets renegotiated. They pay him more money, but a team wouldn't just pay a player more money for fun. They would want something in exchange. And in exchange, the way that this transaction is going to work out is they'll add two years onto the back of his deal, and those years will be much, much less salary than the renegotiated amount this year. So Turner's salary will jump way up this season, a little up to his maximum. And then the next two seasons will drop by you know about 40% to be a much more reasonable number, below, probably a little bit below his market value for both of the next two seasons, Uh, Per a lot of the reporting, it decreases from the second year to the third year, which is very team-friendly and, you know, it's something that I was always considered very tradable around the league. So uh, just a a really good way to use the salary cap space by the Pacers to, you know, get Turner on a team-friendly deal and uh, use that space for something because at some point this season with the salary for they would have had to do something with it anyway.
2: Tony, when it comes to this particular, um, you know, extension for Miles Turner... I want to make clear on this and in clarifying this, and I was hoping you could do so. Initially, the report, you know, comes out and then it is, oh, and by the way, this also allows him to be traded by the deadline. And I think there were a lot of people that thought that the Pacers in the negotiation worked that in somehow, or that it was an important aspect of it for Indiana was that by design or did it just kind of fall as one of the the clauses within the extension in other words did they specifically target to have that possibility and flexibility for themselves
0: it's hard to say because it, you know parts of an extension if it's a certain amount of extension if your salary is going to go uh, up or down by more or less than 5% from season to season of an extension and if it's longer than two years uh, then you're ineligible to be traded, right? That is why if you'll recall last season, as many remember when Malcolm Brogdon signed his extension with the Pacers, he was not eligible to be traded for six months, and so he was tied to the Pacers for at least that full season because that six-month restriction went through the trade deadline, so it does, uh, because Turner's extension is only two years and has a, a drop in salary it doesn't go up by 5% because it got renegotiated way up this year. You know, he is still eligible uh, to be traded. But it's hard to say if that was a motivating factor at all because of the things that you know that, that Kevin said at the top of this, which you know are, are big motivations for Turner anyway, that he could now be a free agent still in his 20s uh, in two years, right? 29 at the end of this deal now. And the TV deal, I think, is going to be a big motivator for players. You saw the last time, though, was a big jump in money for the league back in 2016 and players were getting contracts that made no sense, huge money for, for guys you know, because of new TV money. Now that, I don't know if it'll happen to that extent again, but when the salary cap jumps in 2025, players will, will reap the benefits of that presumably uh, as the salary cap goes up. So there was already a lot of reason for it to be this specific length, but it, it is at least interesting and noteworthy that, it does fit the parameters uh, of an extension that would allow a player to still be traded. So uh, I don't know if it went into the thinking or if it's just a coincidence, but it is certainly a factor to consider.
3: The last TV contract, I feel like that's when Jan Mahimi signed for millions, and I was like, (laughs) what in the world is going on here? Uh, Again, Tony East is with us, Locked On Pacers at T-East NBA. On Twitter, Tony, I uh, tossed this question towards Jake a little bit earlier, so I will throw it at you. Um, three we- reasons why you think maybe what we thought in August didn't unfold, and that was Turner being traded, and now he is signed here, you know, for the next couple of seasons. Would you go with he's played great with Tyrese Halliburton, or two, the Pacers have lacked development from their young bigs, or three, they never got a trade offer that was truly enticing enough to part ways with him. <laughs>
0: Can there be a, a B for all of the above sure. from, from those types you take around? I think How would you slice one. that pie, I guess? <laughs> I think A is the biggest one because, you know, th- this was to me like the very crux of all this is if you're the Pacers and you you're, they're 11th in the East right now, right? For a long time this season, their season looked promising and, and great and they were 6th. And, and the right now they're out of the play in, right? But when – when Turner, Matherin, and Halberd were on the court, uh, you know, Halberd, 22 years old, ideally a franchise cornerstone you have for a long time, Matherin still can't even drink legally, he's 20, right? You know, when those three guys are on the court together, the Pacers have been, like, unbelievably good. That, if they're net-rated with all three guys on the floor, it's like plus 14.4. You know, if you did that over a full season, you'd win, like, 80 games or something, which is not possible, but you get what I'm saying, they've been ridiculously good in like 330 minutes with all three of those guys, and when all three of those players play, the Pacers are 20 and 14. Like that's really good. It's almost a 50 win team, and that's right now, right? That's with those guys being 22 and 20. So I think his good play is sort of, you know, I I conflate that with really good fit with their two the dudes of of their rebuild or their new era or whatever term you want to use. I think mean, that had to be the biggest reason that this made sense for both sides to pursue is that they, you know, can be comfy knowing that, oh, wow, you know, this makes a lot of sense for us to continue to win at the level we were winning at earlier this season when they were sixth and even fifth at times in the East for for part of this. But certainly those other not have to be a factor, right? You know, they're, they're, they're toggling, it seems like, game to game, which back up big gets minutes to try to get time for both Jalen Smith and Isaiah Jackson who – have waffled in their effectiveness. Goga barely ever plays anymore. Uh, you know, they haven't gotten much from from those guys all year. And uh, certainly, you know, we, the trade makers, years and years, even Turner just being in the rumors at Media Day for for all that time. And so, uh, if they ever got something they wanted, maybe they would have taken it. Maybe even last year when he was injured, I don't know what they were and weren't getting off of, but certainly think that given how the discourse has gone around him and how the team's construction was. That had to be a factor at some point, but I think that this season specifically, uh, because they were playing so well, and because Turner was playing so well, and finally playing the position that he's always, you know, kind of clamored to play. And you know, he said at media day, right? I don't think I've scratched the surface of my potential. And a lot of people kind of go, okay, you know, you're in your eighth year. When's that coming? Well, it did come. He was right. And I think a lot of that has been playing the five, playing the role in the position that he has always kind of wanted, even though he's been playing next to Sabonis, and it all just kind of came together and made sense.
3: Uh, Tony, could you make the argument that Turner is maybe more attractive to trade now based off this contract actually like being written out being on the books and maybe that's not till the summer you know once the 35 million he makes this year is done with and then you look ahead to the next two years and I think it's like 20 and 21 million each of the next two. Um again, I don't think that's necessarily the Pacers line of thinking in this, but if you were another team, the fact that you see the contract, the Pacers have already done kind of the dirty work, if you will, um, it almost seems like he would be a pretty attractive trade guy coming up here in the summer and that you wouldn't be getting an expiring contract.
0: Yeah, every design is another you know, being something that's like, Oh, that sounds nice, you know, if you're another team or a decision maker, whatever, like Buddy Yield even. I yeah, and it was talked about that way. Buddy Heald's contract declined from season to season when Aaron Gordon was a popular name on the trade market before getting to Denver. You know, he, that was a big reason. He was discussed so so highly in trades, part besides their talent, obviously, for all these players, is that their contract is great, right? You get it this year, and then next year it drops, and all of a sudden you have that extra amount that it goes down by to, you know, do something else or add another player, whatever, because, this, you know, with the cap going up at the same time, all of a sudden you're Just by having... A player so that alone even ignoring the renegotiation part the fact that it drops after the renegotiation of course and then again drops from 23-24 to 24-25 well I think it would be very appealing to, to, to teams and I think the biggest appeal though beyond the fact that it drops from year to year is that I think it's probably below his market value and even with the way that it's trending for centers which I know Kevin you know, sometimes but like you know, Yusuf Nurkic got 17.5 million per year this off season, and Mitchell Robinson's getting you know over fifteen million a year. Like Turner's better than those guys, right. maybe on both ends, right? So the going rate for centers is about that. It's only two years, and you know he got eighteen million per year four years ago, right? Even if you think he's the same level of player that he was back then. a percentage of the salary cap perspective, he's actually making less (laughs) than he was back then with the way that his deal kind of shook out because of the renegotiation part. So I think it certainly is, is in the next two years, very team-friendly and and a pretty tradable contract the way it shook out.
2: Tony, you know what's interesting? Tony East is our guest, by the way. He's on the Payless Ziggers Hotline. So the Pacers, now that they come home here, it's going to be... Uh, I believe Friday night Sacramento comes to town with Domas Sabonis. And I was thinking about this. If you look at the way that De'Aaron Fox has played, and Sacramento is a team completely off the radar. I get it. I mean, it's not like people around here are familiar with the Kings. But they're playing well in the West. De'Aaron Fox has really evolved and grown. And Sabonis is playing well for them. This doesn't happen very often. But is it safe to say now that this was actually an NBA trade where both teams equally benefited?
0: Uh, yes it's super rare that you know a trade ends up this way and i think i think the way that you know people who really talk about this stuff all the time think about it is like even though both teams are equally benefiting they would say oh the pacers still won because the guy they got younger but you know is that is that really all the calculus because the kings are third in the west you know they haven't been good and forever i think that the, the thing that's always said like because the mariners made the playoffs they have the longest drought and in pro sports now it's like they haven't made the playoffs since the iphone was a thing like that you know they right. totally had different motivations than than nba team many nba teams do in building their team and so the fact that you know they get to bonus and all that now all of a sudden deer and fox can be the guy with the ball and mike brown's done a great job setting up the system for that team but uh Deere and fox can be the guy with the ball and Sabonis can just set a zillion screens a game and mash on other dudes and you know be the player that he could be, and he's now he's playing the five too. You know the way it's helped Turner, it's also helped him. And Halliburton being not there, has helped Fox in the same way that him being here and having the ball all the time has really helped him take off and develop. Like it has every player involved, both in the trade and directly in terms of their position changing or their fit with their new team changing, has been really good or better as a result of of the pieces moving around. And it's jarring to see a trade be this good for both teams so quickly, right, that the Kings are exactly where they want to be and look great and everything's fitting, and you know, Sabonis should be a third-time All-Star this year, and Halberton could be a first-time All-Star this year, Pacers in the playoff picture. It's so rare that a trade is that win-win that fast in the NBA. But that's certainly how it's been so
3: far. Tony, before we let you go, and again, Tony's latest up on SI.com kind of details everything Turner Turner extension-related, the impact on the trade deadline coming up a week from Thursday. Let's focus on that. I want to say the Pacers are kind of 8 to 10 million still in in cap space if they want to do something, absorb a contract, whatever coming up a week from Thursday. Um I guess what can they do and what do you think they will do considering this recent skid?
0: Yeah, bingo, they can you know, the the big thing they could have done with a ton of space before the renegotiation is take in a ton of money, but now they still can do Something smaller, right? Like you're on it about 8.8. That, this is my number. I don't know if it's exactly right, but close 8.8 million in cap space to you know take somebody in, or you know if they send out somebody making four four million dollars, they can take in a player making you know 12 and a half, and either that's a better player or it's a bad contract that you can get an asset with. So they still have space to to wiggle around and and potentially get an asset with. It always makes sense if you can. To use as much cap space as possible to get assets. If you are, you know, willing to spend that much, so uh, the Pacers do have the ability to to make some imbalance trades to to build their team a little more or get some more stuff at this deadline, depending on what they want to do. And I think that their focus is now clear for for two reasons: one being the renegotiation and extension; the other being they've won you know, one of their last 11 games since Tyrese Halliburton got hurt, that the long-term approach still, I think, has to be at the forefront of their thinking. With this deadline coming up, they've got their core locked up, their team makes sense. Now it's time to get the long pieces around it that also enhance the team, and it wouldn't make sense to make short-sighted moves after doing some long-term thinking-based stuff all season, and so I, th- I think that all makes the most sense now. But you know, th- th- this team has so many options of what they could do. Kevin Pritchard loves that optionality. That it's hard for them to do something that wouldn't make any sense at this deadline.
3: Yeah, and again, that's the key with this. I think they've maintained some pretty good flexibility. Um, Which was my concern if you were to give Turner a longer deal. Tony's been all over this. and You guys have heard him on with us. You've certainly seen his work. The renegotiation aspect to this Turner deal was always something that Tony mentioned. And that is exactly how it played out. Tony, great stuff, man. And uh, we'll be looking forward to your coverage over at the press conference later today.
0: You got it. Thanks, guys.
4: Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
3: It wasn't too bad for us, but it does sound like... Um, some commutes in this morning have been a little bit dicier than others, so watch out for some slick roadways, ramps, etc. We'll head to the Payless Liquors hotline, and I'll give this man plenty of credit. Yeah, the second line in his latest on the athletic I was wrong about Miles Turner and his future with the Indiana Pacers. Bob Kravitz, I appreciate the apology.
1: <laughs> yeah, I knew. Uh... When I heard this, I was like, oh, I'm going to have to write me a big old mea culpa, aren't I? But, uh, you know, look, uh, things change, circumstances change in in sports and in life. And, uh, you know, I think Miles uh, really enjoys playing in Indiana now. And I think he really enjoys playing with uh, Tyrese Halliburton. I think, uh, you know, uh, being freed up to play the five without having to worry about Domas Sabonis has changed everything, including his outlook. Uh, I was told at the beginning of the season that there was uh, no way that he was interested in coming back. And I thought that that was reconfirmed when he went on the Woj podcast and said, uh, hey, Lakers, you might want to trade for me, boys. And uh, that never happened. And uh, I give the Pacers an end. Um, miles, people at CAA, a lot of credit for finding a creative way to keep him uh, in such a way that it's still kind of a cap-friendly deal for the Pacers.
3: Bob, do you think this move means that Buddy Heald is certainly going to be here throughout his contract? I think he's got one more year on it. Basically, doesn't mean that we'll get through next Thursday's trade deadline, and for a team that's out of the play-in right now, it's going to be a pretty quiet trade deadline, it seems.
1: Yeah, the the understanding that I have is that they are going to go into the trade uh, deadline uh, really with an open mind. Um, they don't know at this point. I don't believe uh, whether they're going to be sellers or buyers. I think they want to see what's out there. They may very well end up doing nothing. I think I've I think I've hit on every possible <laughs> permutation here, but um, I I think it's more likely than not that Buddy Heald is still here. I hope he's still here because I think he's a great teammate and a hell of a player. Um, but, hell, man, I am I was wrong about Miles. I might be wrong about this one, too. Who knows? Bob, the
2: interesting thing to me, Bob Kravitz is our guest on the Payless Ziggurs Hotline. Um, we were talking earlier. I do believe that from the beginning of the year, the Pacers wanted to see how Turner affected Halliburton and vice versa on the floor and whether or not that could be uh, a symbiotic relationship. Clearly, it appears to be. Mm -hmm. But there is, with this way that this extension was done, it leaves open the door that Turner could, in fact, be traded still in a quote-unquote sign-and-trade. Do you believe, now, preface with this, I do not, but I want your, your thought on this. Do you believe that the Pacers made it clear or intended to have that clause in there to protect themselves or because there is something still in the works, or is it just simply the byproduct of this particular style of extension?
1: Well, look, with this uh, extension um, and renegotiation or whatever they call it, um, they can trade him tomorrow. He is, he is still on. The no, and I office.
2: get that, but what I'm saying is, yeah. like, do you think that that's what they are looking to do? I do not. But what yeah. do you think? No,
1: no, 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 no. That, that's what I was getting to. I don't think. Uh, I I have every indication. Again, I had an indication that he was not going to sign, but uh, I don't think they're going to do anything with him this year. Now, I think what's happening, guys, is they they know that Miles was super inspired to to to, uh, to play well this year. I mean, it was a contract year. And I think what they want to find out is, okay, he's got his money now. How's he going to play? I think Miles is a pro. I think Miles will continue to play well. But um, I, I think there's still a chance that they would move him beyond the trade deadline. Uh, like, again, they're not going to do anything this trade deadline. At least that's not the plan. But I think down the road, if they see a better deal, uh, they could still move him. So uh, I don't. I, I think the trade, the trade talk will continue to swirl around. Around uh, Miles Turner for as long as he's here, it would seem. Yeah,
3: and he's got a lot of reasons. Hidden free agency at the age of twenty nine. You know, the new TV deal. Um, he could be looking at a pretty good contract if he continues to play well over the well, next. That, couple that's
1: exactly that's exactly right, Kevin. I mean, he he'll be. I think twenty eight when the, the new when the, this contract is up, uh, he'll be in his prime uh, theoretically. And the new TV money comes in. The uh, the, the all, all, all the, there's going to be a lot more money, you know. The pie's going to be bigger for the players, and if he's still playing really well, he can really hit the jackpot. So, it's a win win really for the Pacers, and it's a win win for for Miles.
3: Okay, Bob Kravitz has his latest up on the Athletic, shifting gears um, to the Colts. Uh, this head coaching search now three weeks old. I don't think there's any sort of imminent end to it anytime soon Bob the longer it goes what does that mean for Jeff Saturday
1: I don't I think it means that they they're, they're moving on I, I I just I don't know I don't know what to read into all this guys I just know that there's no way you can look at the original 13 or or the the, the six or seven guys that they have now and make the argument that Jeff Saturday is better prepared be the coach of the Indianapolis Colts than, say, Raheem Morris or Eric Bieniemy or uh, Callahan or, or any of those guys. So I'm not sure what to read into it. I'm a little, uh, I'm not surprised that he made the second cut because of his relationship with Ursay. but uh, I think they're going to go in a different direction.
2: Bob, this is kind of a probably a tired subject I guess, but if Saturday is the guy, I would agree with you. It seems as though the longer we go here, the more it seems a certainty that's not going to be the case. But if Saturday's the guy, if you're Chris Ballard at that point, are you
1: like, what the hell am I doing here? Right. Oh, I think he's had that thought many, many dozens of times over the course of the last you know, calendar year. There's, there's no question. At the same time, and look, he, he would get a job somewhere else in about 15 minutes I, I truly believe I think he's still highly highly thought of he's more highly thought of throughout the league than he is here in Indianapolis so I think he'll he'll hold on even if even if Saturday gets the job there's only 32 of these and he's getting paid a lot of money he's got the extension till 2026 he's got a young family he's got kids in school. I think he's probably going to bite the bullet if, even if Saturday gets the job.
2: And at the risk of – I'm not asking this in a defiant manner or like in a – you know what I mean? But I, I wanted to give you the opportunity to elaborate on this. I don't disagree that Ballard probably is highly thought of outside of Indianapolis and in NFL circles, but based on the amount of time he's been here, the lack of playmakers on the field, and the lack of yeah. postseason production, that's based on what?
1: Well, I, I think people will look will look at, at the quarterback situation, which, which was partly his doing, um, but I think they'll look at the quarterback situation and say, look, they haven't had any consistency. Uh, at that position in five, six, seven years, and I think they look at the fact that they had seven Pro Bowl players last year. So he, he, he is clearly a a good judge of talent. The problem has been that the talent judgments have not been good at the most important positions. You know, they don't still don't have an edge rusher. They still don't have a left tackle. Although I thought Raymond played uh, Raymond played better as the season wore on. Um, they still don't have that game breaking wide receiver. So um but I, I think you know, all those years Ballard was just doing okay in Indy, and every time you read one of those national pieces, he was one of the most highly thought of GMs in the league. So either he's got everybody else fooled or he really has the goods. We just haven't really seen it in Indianapolis. I mean it's hard to argue with four thirteen and one.
3: Kennys he's Bob Kravitz from the Before Athletic here on the Payless Liquors hotline. Bob, obviously, we know how Purdue's season played out last year when it came time to the NCAA tournament. But, you know, if you were to you know, think back to your opinion on Purdue maybe entering February last year versus your opinion on them entering February this year, do you feel better about this year's team getting on a run versus maybe how you felt about last year's team?
1: I thought last year's team had a, ch- a better chance of going deep in the NCAA tournament. I was completely shocked that they lost to St. Peter's. I thought with Trevion and with uh, with uh, 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 Jaden Ivey, I thought they had a deeper, better uh, team last year. Um, I look. I think. I think they'll make it to the second weekend. I, I don't doubt that. But I would have thought. That last year's team had a better chance to go to the to the final four, at least the elite eight, than this year's team. Uh, I think as great as they've been this year, you still have those two young guards. And man, if you get Edie in foul trouble, and that hasn't happened, but if you get Edie in foul trouble, that team is really in a, in rough straits. So i I think they I, I think they're going to be good. They're clearly gonna be a one seed. They're gonna to get to the second weekend. I just I had a higher feeling for last year's team than I do this year's team.
2: I looked, you know, the two guys that, that to me feel like they could be real wild cards for Purdue. And I agree with you about the young guards, although, you know, Smith and Lawyer both just they look wise beyond their years. They do. But but I that's obviously in fair play, right? The two guys to me that are really the X factors for Purdue are Kaufman, Wren, and Caleb First. Because, you know, in a game where, where Zach, Edie... And those guys are both really good players. Caleb First has really played well, I think, and has done a really good job of kind of sliding off of or adapting to having Edie taking up so much space. But right. there is going to be a game probably in March where suddenly Edie finds himself on the sidelines a yeah. lot. And at that point, I guess the question becomes, Bob... Are those two guys, I think they're skilled enough to be able to answer that as a combo, but are they going to be familiar enough with that situation?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, like I I was saying before, I I, I worry that Zach's going to get a bad whistle at some point in the NCAA tournament, and that's going to put all the pressure on those two guys, especially Kaufman Wren, who I thought looked pretty good. Um. Well, they got they had Michigan State the other day. He looked pretty good, and, and he's starting to come along. Um, whether he's going to be at that level um, by March, I don't know. But that would be my greatest my greatest concern with Purdue. Um, you know, is if Edie gets in foul trouble, and who do you who can you rely on? And if Kaufman Rent continues to develop, then maybe you don't have those fears.
3: Yeah, Purdue has gotten some nice moments from their supporting cast here as of late. But, yeah, if, if again, it hasn't happened all year, really, but if Edie were to get in foul trouble, that would be the biggest question. Bob, last one for me, and I appreciate the time on this Monday morning. Again, Bob Kravitz from The Athletic with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Looking ahead to Saturday, 4 o'clock, ESPN, Indiana, Purdue, assuming IU climbs into the rankings today. It will just be the third time since 2000 that they both will be ranked in a matchup. Um, your early thoughts on what you expect from really two of the hottest teams in college basketball?
1: Yeah, it's going to be awesome, and uh, I'll be there. And I just want to see TJD against Zach Eady, man. I mean, to me, <coughs> excuse me, they're they're two player of the year candidates. Um, maybe the top two, I, I, I'm not sure, but they're certainly in the top five. I think I think Edie is number one at this point. He's
3: got to be the overwhelming favorite.
1: You've got to think. And TJD is playing out of his mind lately. So I'm just really interested. I, I've got some calls out to some NBA people because uh, I'm, I'm interested in what these guys look like as NBA prospects, especially, especially Edie. Because you think about it, 20 years ago, Edie would have been the first pick in the draft. Now, I have absolutely no idea how the NBA looks at him. I, I talked to Matt Painter about him uh, as an NBA prospect about two weeks ago, and I'll have that in my column uh, this weekend. But that that's what I want to see more than anything else.
2: I would think late first might start to be in play now for Jackson Davis and early second to mid-second for Edie at this point. And I'm in agreement with you. I mean, both of them have become – somebody asked me yesterday, Bob, which was a good question, when was the last time the state of Indiana had arguably the top two players in college basketball? And my first thought was it would have been 93 with Chaney at Indiana and Glenn Robinson as a sophomore at Purdue. That yeah. You
1: know? Yeah. Yeah. But, Don't be surprised when that shows up in the column.
2: <laughs> yeah, there you go.
1: <laughs> I I I did not know that, but uh, that that sounds about right. I mean, there and there are such different types of players playing the same position. It's just you know styles make fights. It's going to be a really interesting mano a mano matchup between those two guys on Saturday.
3: Without without question, Bob. Enjoy that atmosphere. Thanks as always for hopping on with us, man. My pleasure, guys. Be well.